Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. What are your business challenges for 2021? Supporting an increased remote workforce? Securing and managing your expanding corporate network? Communicating with your customers, employees, and partners? Whatever your challenges and priorities for 2021, Blackfoot Communications knows it all starts with a plan. We are here to help you assess, design, implement, and support your most critical technology infrastructure initiatives. Call Blackfoot at 866-541-5000 or email business at blackfoot.com to learn how we can set you up for success in 2021 and beyond. Blackfoot. Connect to more. Seahawks, Eagles, fly, birdies fly. And they are both birds. Actually, from what I understand, that's actually not true. The eagles are a bird. The Seahawks, there is no such thing. Mm. What do they call those? The seagulls? Seagull, yeah. Sea it's seagulls. There's no seahawk. That's not a mm. bird. Mm. Dinosaur. I mean, maybe. Aren't all birds dinosaurs? I don't believe so. Formerly? I don't know. What did the T-Rex become? The albatross? Uh, I think the T-Rex died. Right. So there you go. It's Tutel and Nuanas, 102.9 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television across the state. Outstanding to be with you on this very fine Monday evening. Uh, we are uh, happy to be on the World Wide Web, thanks to our friends at Opportunity Bank. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. They sponsor the stream. You can listen to the stream anytime you would like there at our website. You can also call 361-3688, the phone number, 361-3688. All guests join us via the Rangage Brothers RV phone line. Uh, before we take one more step further, I just want to uh, remind everybody, we are this Friday very happy to be giving away a William Henry pocket knife. If you go to our website, 1029ESPN.com, you can uh, register right now. It's very simple. This pocket knife, by the way, is uh, it is a knife. It's, in fact, the highest quality of pocket knives that you can get. But you may not want to use it because really what it is is a piece of jewelry. We 
got it from our friends at RP Ellis downtown, and it is a collector's item to be sure. Uh, these, every one of them handmade, every one of them singular in their design. We have one that is a, a silver and turquoise sort of inlay with the Damascus steel blade. It is really, really, uh, uh, well, if I may say pretty. It is pretty and quite valuable as well, uh, retailing for for over $2,800. You go to our website, and uh, you can enter for free, of course, to win this. Just click on the link that's there, 1029ESPN.com, and all you got to do, all you got to do is tell us who's going to win the Super Bowl and one word why they're going to win the Super Bowl. We're giving this away Friday on the show. yeah. Can't wait. So we're going to have some fun with this, a very unique giveaway on Friday. So we will have this for you uh, and uh, and look forward to uh, that. And the entries that have come in have been a fun, interesting. I'm liking the challenge that people are experiencing of coming up with the one word as to why their team's going to win. So uh, An exercise in being concise. That's right. Welcome to journalism. That's right. Uh, So there you go. Uh, Coulter, Tonight, the Eagles and the uh, Seahawks playing, and uh, I think we, I think we have. Them. All right, let's do it. It is time, boys and girls, for twelve for the twelves. Twelve minutes, maybe more. Who knows? Today, uh, to talk about the Seattle Seahawks, and we, as we get you ready for Monday Night Football, which we will have for you right here as soon as the show is over. Send you out to Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia for Eagles Seahawks tonight, and uh, we welcome in Mike Dugar from the Athletic, as we do normally every Friday. But since we got a Monday Nighter for you tonight, we're doing it today. Mike, great to be with you. Happy Thanksgiving. I uh, hope. Hopefully it was a great weekend for you. We appreciate you being here. Uh, I want to go back. The Seahawks haven't played, man, since the 19th, right? It was Thursday a week ago that they had their last game against Arizona. That was a game that they were on the skids. They came in having lost three of four going into that game, a couple divisional games in, that, in, in there as losses for Seattle. They felt like they were reeling a little bit, but beat Arizona, which is an important win to split the season with the Cardinals, and now they've had really almost like a bye week. I mean, a lot of time off to get ready for this game against Philadelphia tonight. Where, where are we at right now with, with Seattle feeling good, getting that win in their last game, an important win, and now going into a stretch of playing some not very good teams? I think that uh, Pete Carroll's kind of philosophy of approaching every game as like a championship opportunity is very good, and that's one that you should um, teach. But at the end of the day, these guys are human, and they're not stupid, um, and they have cable. So they know that, hey, that, that Arizona game was really make or break. They would have, they would have had lost two straight. Um, in the division, one of those at home, they would have been swept by a division opponent. They would have, I think, dropped to like what seven seed or something like that. Like the sky would have fallen uh, legitimately if that, you know, would have happened. They would have been zero one at Lumen Field. Yeah, be, being zero one at your new stadium is is not great. So I think they avoided a lot of like disasters um, in, in that way, like by by beating Arizona. I mean, and how they beat them was very good. Rustin turned the ball over. And the defense pressured the quarterback. You know, I think those, all of those elements together kind of say, I called it a season saving uh, win because it was. I mean, being literally been six and four, um, even if you got some crappy teams in front of you, you know, no one's going to pat you on the back that much for beating Carson Wentz, Colt McCoy, Sam Donald, and Alex Smith. Right? That's just not how it's going to be, even if that does get you to 10 and four, um, if you can't beat the teams in your division. So I think, yeah, that was a huge win in a number of ways. It was a a legit championship opportunity to show that they can be a championship team. So, yeah, I, I thought that was easily, easily their best win uh, of the year. Just one more thing, uh, just in general as we lead up to tonight, but 
the the Seahawks defense through you know week nine had just been awful. Just it's giving it up every way you can give it. We know about you know historically statistically bad, but the last two weeks one of those in a loss uh, to to the Rams, but they gave up twenty three and twenty one points respectively in their last two games. Which in today's NFL you're going to take that all day, especially but you know with the offensive firepower that we think that that Seattle has. Did they fix something defensively? Obviously they got Jamal Adams back, but what do you see out of this defense? Do you expect in improvement to continue? Yeah, I think I think really there's a couple of things going on. Ken Norton and, and Pete Carroll were somewhat uh, exposed as like defensive minds when they didn't have you know a pass rush and then suffered some injuries in the secondary. They were still getting scraping by, but the defense was still really really bad. And I say exposed um, because, you know, I think everyone should go listen to what, you know, Richard Sherman said about Robert Sala, the defensive coordinator after their win over the Rams. You know, he he made a very good point, one that I've been paying attention to all year. They're fielding a top 10 defense with more injuries than Seattle has faced, including injury to their best player, um, the Bosa brother that they have, um, Nick Bosa. Um, So, like, it can be done to scheme up good defense, even though you're banged up. Like that's, that's the excuse that like Seattle would probably make. And I understand Ken saying that, you know, they, they anticipated having an all pro strong safety. He gets hurt in week three and they have to go to a guy you know, undrafted who had never started a game before. Right. The drop off there is drastic, um, perhaps more drastic than some stuff the Niners are dealing with, but the, they just weren't able to field a competent unit, you know, with, without, you know, elite talent. And that's not necessarily exclusive to them, but it just exposes who the great defensive coordinators are who are. Right? Like, Salah is probably really great, you know, to, to put a great team out there with all those injuries. Seattle, probably not as much. That's why the turnaround has come, I think, when they've got the good players back, when Jamal came back, when Carlos Dunlap came into the to the mix. I mean, uh, they were still bad against the Bills, but, I mean, if you really look at their last – their three games with Carlos, Jamal uh, in the lineup – the problem really in week nine was Quentin Dunbar playing on one leg. Like it was, look at, just watch the whole game again. You'll see they're running everything his way. You watch the game and you're thinking, wow, why aren't they covering Stephen Diggs? Well, it's because Quentin's playing 15 yards off him because he can't move. And that's not to say Quentin's a bad player, but it's on one leg. Most guys aren't good with one leg. I can barely get to the bathroom with one leg, right? Like it's, <laughs> it, it's very difficult to play football at a high level when you got a bum knee like that. So, you subtract him from the equation, even if DJ Reed is not as good of a player, he's got two legs. Right? And you see that they've been they've been able to field, you know, competent units, you know, just subtracting Quentin, uh, an injured Quentin, I should specify. And then, you know, you got guys like Jamal and Carlos. And what Carlos does, he just makes everyone better. Right? Jay Reed looks like a guy worth eight figures now that Carlos is there. Jay Reed has two and a half sacks in the last three weeks. He had two and a half sacks all last year. Right, playing next to uh, playing next to Carlos. Uh, you know, I think Puna Ford finally got in the backfield finally when um when Carlos showed up. And what does that do? Well, now their defense is playing a lot more of their cover three scheme that they brought these guys in here to play, not just like drop eight stuff and uh, these other like cover two quarters coverages, these other things that just aren't Pete. Right now they're getting back to them, and the defense is better. So I think the personnel matters a lot. You know, and I think Ken Norton's probably a guy who, if he doesn't have the personnel probably not going to have a good defense. If he has the personnel, then he'll probably, you know, field a good unit. Mike Dugar joining us. It's our 12 for the 12 segment presented by Dobie's Teriyaki, best Seattle-style teriyaki anywhere in Missoula. 
Mike, I want to ask you about the NFC West because coming out of that loss to the Rams, all of a sudden you had a log jam right at the top. Three teams at 6-3, and three, and it looked like the Rams were trending up, the Cardinals were trending up, the Seahawks were trending down. Now, since then, the Cardinals have lost two straight, including to Seattle, and then a perplexing loss to the Patriots. The Rams looked like a potential NFC contender, period. Not just West, but period. And then yesterday get blasted by the Niners for the second time this year. And Seattle, they haven't played in 11 days, but they had a ni- the nice win over the Cardinals, and now they have a team in Philadelphia tonight who they are at least expected to beat. Take us through how much the division race has changed just since that Thursday night game against Arizona between the Cardinals and the Seahawks. Yeah, the division's pretty weird because of the matchups. So I think that the Seahawks are the best team in the division. Right? Let's just start with statement one. I think if they had to play the Rams in the postseason, they would probably lose. Uh, it doesn't really matter where the game is at, to be honest, because they're just a, the Rams are just a bad matchup uh, for Seattle. I think Seattle is better uh, than Arizona, uh, right? But I do think Arizona's defense can do things that confuse uh, Russ and get him off his game a little bit, though. I think that he did a really good job adjusting to all their blitzes uh, and stuff. A third matchup in the playoffs would be really, really interesting from a, like a chess match. Uh, standpoint, and but I think the Seahawks should be healthier uh, by that matchup too. Like they played with DJ Reed instead of Shaquille Griffin, and play with Chris Carson. Um, I think that that would make a big difference uh, as well. So I think the Seahawks are the best team. The Rams are probably still the second best team because their defense is just so nasty. Um, it really, really, really is good. Like Aaron Donald, you, you watch a game and you're just like, wow, man, I haven't seen much of '99, and then boom, he just smacks someone in the face. Um, you know, forces a scoop and score, and the game changes. And the very next snap, he sacks the quarterback. And you're like, oh, yeah, nope, that's the best player in the league uh, right there. So, I, But the Cardinals are a team that can beat anyone on every given Sunday, and then so are the Niners. I think the really interesting thing about the Niners and the Rams as it pertains to the Seahawks is how they attack Seattle. Kyle Shanahan, if I had to simplify it, he finds out what you are not good at and tries to exploit that thing whether that's a run thing, that's a passing thing, whatever. Whether it's your cornerback, a linebacker, it doesn't matter. Just finds whatever you kind of have something leaky in and just attacks it. Whereas Sean McVay, he's like, all right, what do they do well? All right, let's just design stuff to beat that. Whether they're good at man, they're good at cover three, cover two, whatever, they have a good pass rush. We're just going to neutralize their best thing and, and, and stop it. And I think that's, that's just really good coaching. And they both present bad matchups for Seattle with the Niners have like five guys in the ER and another just 10 in the hospital. So who knows what they'll be like in week 17. But uh, overall, Seattle is in good shape. The, the, the scariest thing is just, you know, having to play the Rams if they uh, have to in the playoffs. Well, Mike, let's get into this game specifically tonight. Uh, the Seahawks are going to be you know, heavily favored in this game. I haven't even looked at the line yet, but we'll, we'll get to it. But obviously, last time they were in the Link, Lincoln Financial Field, it was for the wild card last year. Carson Wentz gets hurt early in that game. Josh McCown comes in as uh, ineffective, and, and Seattle gets their one postseason win. They go back there now, and they have a run of several games against some bad teams, the Giants, the Jets, although the Giants have gotten a little bit better, Washington and so on. Uh, what do you expect tonight and and how does this set the table for a run against some lower teams and uh, and really set three teams right in the NFC East? You know, because I'm really confident the defense has turned a corner, I don't think it's just the Arizona game. I think the second half against the Rams is really important. And, again, all that stuff I said about having good players um, is really helpful. I expect them to like put together a really good defensive performance 
uh, tonight. I don't know m- as much about the offense. I mean, they should put up points, but I mean, in theory, they should have put up points on the Eagles defense both times last year too. I and mean, they put up 17. Uh, they really should have. I mean, the Eagles defense was really bad last year. Secondary was just garbage. Right? And, and you could see it in some of the, uh, the big plays that they had and still just wasn't able to get it done. So I expect the, the defense to play really well, but they didn't allow what they allow what two total touchdowns. I think in, in the games last year, I would I could see something similar. Maybe they can get in the end zone once, maybe twice, a, a couple field goals. I think the defense will be really, really, really good. The Eagles' front still scares me a little bit, especially with the Seahawks won't have um, won't have right tackle Brandon Shelby starting Cedric Abui, uh tonight. So that's a little worrisome. I think the Eagles have like four dudes with at least four sacks and four dudes with double digit pressures. Um, like their their front is getting it done. It's just the back end um, that is pretty garbage. So I, I, I expect a pretty, like, safe win with a really good defensive performance with at least two or three turnovers probably because Carson Wentz is a machine. And then I think that's going to set the blueprint uh, for the rest of the, you know, the next three weeks. They're, all, they're facing similar similarly built teams. Like, the Giants defense has some dudes, but overall, like, they stink. Uh, they're going to probably play Colt McCoy. Uh, the Jets just stink all around. They don't even know who's calling the plays uh, in New York. Is it Adam Gates and some other dude, like, they're just, they're just a mess um, over there. Uh, and then Washington, I actually think has a uh, presents an interesting matchup as well. I think that's another game where Seattle's offense might take a little bit to get going because those guys have monsters up front uh, as well. That's where the back end where I don't think they're as strong. So yeah, I think these next few games outside of the Jets, um, this, the NFC East is built, you know, pretty similarly. Like the teams have shaky quarterback situations, offenses that leave much to be desired fronts that have some some studs and then back ends that are just like what the hell is going on so seattle's i wouldn't be surprised if like all three games against the nfc east looked exactly the same from that standpoint where russ is under some uh, duress a little bit but you know dk is good enough to mask any you know deficiencies in any secondary uh and then the defense uh for the seahawks just puts up disgustingly good numbers against bad offenses well, last question for you then mike ryan doesn't believe in momentum I do. So, two-part question. Do you, and how much momentum could a win tonight against the Eagles give Seattle heading into December? Oh, man. We should open with that. I've been fascinated by the uh, the idea that momentum is non-existent. Like, I, I, I'm, of, I'm of the impression, I grew up just like everyone else, like, oh, they have the momentum entering the playoffs or whatever. And then the more I think about it, man, that, it might just be something we speak into um, existence. So I'm on the fence. I know that's not. Uh, Let me help, help you. It doesn't exist. <laughs> it's not a thing. It is just. It's just nothing. Not. Not in a game. It is real in an individual game, right? But game to game, no. That's it. One game season. You know that's that. It makes sense. I would agree with that. As it, it, it is not a thing. However, I do believe the power of the mind. And if you, if the players and the coaches think it's a thing. And they let it, you know, dictate how they perform or how their how their mind processes things in a game or from one week to another. Um, then it becomes a thing, right? As I said, we're speaking it into existence, yep. right? For good or bad. Like if if the Seahawks lose their last two games, right, going into the playoffs, and the building inside the building, they're feeling like, damn man, like we're struggling. We gotta get it together. Well, you've created you created momentum, right? Or you've created lack thereof. Right, so it becomes a thing. Versus if you smack the Rams and smack the Niners, you're like, oh, we're feeling good. We're riding high. We have momentum, right? If that's the message in the building, then it's real, right? So 
that's why I'm, I'm a little tone off. Like me, objectively speaking, I, it might not be a thing. But if the players and coaches behave it as, as if it is a thing, then we have to acknowledge it, right? It's true, and the crossover is is I think so much the argument that Ryan and I always have is that you know as this show is in a college town, we cover college football as our lead whenever college football is actually happening, and I do think it's a lot more real with kids because I think that when you're talking about college kids, you can speak things like confidence into existence, and that's why I think momentum is huge in college football. Whereas I agree with you, I think you can take it on both sides when you're talking about pros. These guys, I think, can cultivate confidence or fix their mentality in short order because they're adults. And I think that it is less of a factor. So I think I, I think we have all learned to agree on this now. Yeah, no, it's, it's really complex. Like I said, I'm fascinated, uh, you know, by it. There's people who like swear by it. And then there's like some people, like I respect their opinions who are just like, no man, well, man, it was not, not real. But like, it's one of those things where if we're talking about what happens in a game, we have to address and acknowledge the feelings of the people actually in the field of play. If Russell Wilson feels momentum when he's on the field or he can feel it in the building, because he's the leader, so that's why I'm using him, or even Bobby Wagner, if he can feel it from one week to another, right, something's clicking or something's not clicking, like, then it's real. It, it, that's just what it is, because your, your mind is the most powerful thing you have, right? and if you, if you believe something, like then it's, you're, you're making it a thing, whether it actually is or not. So it's, it's weird. I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm of the opinion that it's, it doesn't really you know, matter, especially in football where the game plan is so different, injuries, uh, the venue changes. Like it's just, there's so much. The coach is different, whatever. But like if the players think so, then I have to acknowledge it. Well, that's why this show is great every day, building on the last one, forward into existence. Beautiful. <laughs> Mike, uh, you basically outlined this for us, but just quickly, give us a number. What do you got tonight, final score? Um, what did I, I wrote this already. I want to say 34-20 is what I picked in favor of the Seahawks. I think the line is like six and a half. Seahawks should cover that. Mike, appreciate it as always. Go uh, check him out, Mike Dugar, on Twitter, at Mike Dugar. Read him on The Athletic. He covers the Seahawks for The Athletic. Does a great job there. And uh, you can go read his and everybody else's stuff. Get a subscription to that. And uh, also the Seahawks Man-to-Man podcast. As always, Mike, we appreciate it, man. All right, I'm going to plug the company real quick. Today is the last day of our dollar a month for 12 months deal. That seems like an affordable subscription, if I might say so. That seems like a screaming deal. Yeah, man, I I can't can't stress it enough, man. Please, please sign up. It's a dollar dollar a month for the year, man. That's hard to beat that. Go do what I did. Spoiler alert for everybody out there. I already bought four of these for my sports fan buddies. So go do yourself a favor and do that as well. That's a pretty cheap Christmas gift, and uh, I promise you, you'll love it. All right, man. Thank you guys for having me. Man, what a great gift giver you are, man. That's a a really good thought. Subscriptions to stuff like that. That's a great holiday gift. Don't clutter your house. Go read The Athletic. It's the best thing there is, man. Fantastic. If you play fantasy football or you sports gamble, you got to have it. Okay. Good to know. Not that it's helping me in either sector, but. Well, you know, there is some user uh, error in there. Uh, that is our 12 for the 12s. We did it on Monday instead of Friday because, lo and behold, the Seahawks play tonight. In fact, we might have another one on Friday. Less than an hour from now. Yeah, maybe another one on Friday. By the way, 12 for the 12s brought to us by Dobie's Teriyaki downtown inside of Stockman's Bar. Uh, you can go in there. You can order over the phone. Just go pick it up. Easy enough. And uh, walk right in. Best Seattle-style, really only Seattle-style teriyaki that you can get in the city of Missoula. Love it down there. And right now for you, boys and girls, we'll let you sample the goods. 
361-3688. Call right now. You got yourself a $25 gift card to Dobie's Teriyaki in downtown Missoula uh, there at Stockman's Bar. Uh, quick break. On the other side, we continue. A little bit more NFL breaking news. The Steelers-Ravens game postponed again, this time to Wednesday. We'll get into that next. What are your business challenges for 2021? Supporting an increased remote workforce? Securing and managing your expanding corporate network? Communicating with your customers, employees, and partners? Whatever your challenges and priorities for 2021, Blackfoot Communications knows it all starts with a plan. We are here to help you assess, design, implement, and support your most critical technology infrastructure initiatives. Call Blackfoot at 866-541-5000 or email business at blackfoot.com to learn how we can set you up for success in 2021 and beyond. Blackfoot, connect to more. We got two not very good games on Thanksgiving Day. One of them resulted in the head coach and GM being fired. The third game, which we were supposed to get, we were then supposed to get tonight, which then got moved to tomorrow and has now been moved yet again to Wednesday. That's right. Ravens Steelers officially now not Tuesday night football, but Wednesday night football. Boys and girls, don't get it twisted. I'm watching the Mac. It's two telling new one is one ESPN radio. SWX Montana television. Good to be with you. I mean, the Steelers and Ravens are fine, but. Don't Ohio Central Michigan? That's what I'm into. Ball State? Yes, please. Do you see what happened in Buffalo, by the way? The Buffalo Bulls? Eight touchdowns? Eight? By four, one running back? 400 yards and eight touchdowns. By the way, I think it was like 27 carries. It's not like he had the ball 55 times, which would have still been remarkable. Good gracious. Kent State, hey, have a little have a little pride on your defense for crying in the night uh anyway Colter, let's talk a little nfl we got seahawks eagles tonight rematch of the wild card game a season ago uh i am uh, looking forward to this game because it is a game and because the seahawks haven't played in almost two weeks even though they haven't had a bye week uh but uh we'll have that game for you here as soon as we're done uh on this show we'll send you out to lincoln financial in philadelphia and see if carson wentz can start to put the pieces back together uh, which I find pretty unlikely, at least on this particular evening. We go back to uh, Thursday. The Lions and Washington football team, excuse me, the Texans and the Washington football team both scored 41 points, both whooped up on their opposition. The Cowboys were just absolutely humiliated at home on Thanksgiving, 41-16. The Lions did not fare much better, 41-25. And then we find out Saturday, goodbye to Matt Patricia and whoever was their GM, which I and seven other people in the country can name actually i can't so just, <laughs> just six uh by the way uh the packers looked very impressive also scoring 41 how about all these teams scoring 41 points they beat uh the bears 41 25 last night the most surprising score i thought for sure like yesterday was what the falcons did to the oakland raiders excuse yeah. me vegas raiders 43 to 6 simply dominant in that football game and one that i didn't see coming and then the other team who i thought was the most impressive team yesterday mm-hmm. the tennessee titans 
who had 45 yeah. points and one going away. I mean, three touchdowns for Derrick Henry, 45-26 over a, a very good, a very good Indianapolis Colts team who has really hung their hat on defense. But the Titans put it on. I believe, if I recall correctly, the Colts beat the Titans in their first matchup. So this, you know, those divisional matchups when you're already down one game to none, you need it to get to split, especially in a, a competitive division, which these two teams are the only two teams in the running for. You know, in the AFC South, this is a big, this is a huge win for for Tennessee. And I think, you know, obviously, when you see what happened last night, or yesterday afternoon, I guess, rather, with Kansas City, and then the game that we hope actually does happen, this is the Enigma game that's supposed to happen on now on Wednesday between the Steelers and the Ravens. You look at those three teams all the time in the AFC, and I don't think we talk enough about the Titans and the Colts. Yeah, I'm going to go through everything. There was a lot there. I'm going to give you just quick hitting analysis. We can circle back around to what we got going on in the AFC because I do think that there is a, a potential power shift with a couple teams surging, a couple teams fading, and uh, the Kansas City Chiefs potentially starting to lap the field. Yeah. Uh, but d- just quick hitters from over the weekend. I watched as much NFL as I have all year over the weekend because what else do you do on Thanksgiving besides hey. sit there and eat? Hey. Glory be. Yeah, I mean, feel great. My back was feeling bad, and my family's like, well, what's wrong with your back? I said, well, I did spin class on Wednesday and then sat here and fed my face for four days. I think you look great. Ate 40,000 calories, not a lot of stretching going yeah, it's, on. It's good calories. <laughs> uh, Texans, Lions. Texans are starting to round into what I think that people expected them to be. Uh, you have to wonder if the absence of David Johnson is actually maybe a silver lining. He's a good player. But when you just let Deshaun Watson do his thing, that's when the Texans are at their best. But that's here they're or four there. and seven, man. They're, they're four they're, and seven. They're they're they're, they're 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 creeping though. Four and seven is not out of it, considering we have some teams that are falling back to the pack across the NFL. And I think that this COVID thing is going to get a lot more crazy, where the the disharmony of the schedule is going to affect teams not because of who's not able to play, but because of the rescheduling and the lack of rhythm, the lack of preparation. That's here or there. Lions deserve to get fired. Yeah. Matt Patricia deserved to get fired. Yeah. Remember when Jim Caldwell was the head coach? Remember when he had three winning records in four years? Remember when we went to the playoffs with the Lions? Yeah. He does never deserve to get fired. Yeah. He went nine and seven two years in a row and got fired. How does that happen in Detroit? Yeah. No one else is ever going nine and seven. He had three winning records in four years. They should have never fired him. It was ridiculous. Um, the Vikings-Panthers game, Kirk Cousins operates a late comeback for the first time hey, ever. I should have mentioned that. Now, you know my feelings on the Vikings yep. everything else. Yep. That was an First of all, best game in terms of just entertainment value of the day. I mean, that was an unbelievable game. And the way that which, which BB is it? Not Don. Chad. Chad. Don's son, Chad BB, gives the game away and then redeems himself with three catches, including, hello, his first ever, ever NFL touchdown receiving to to be the go-ahead and thereby game winner. Even though then here come the Panthers throwing the ball to Curtis Samuel down the middle of the field, can't kick a field goal. What a game that was. No explanation for the Falcons-Raiders game. as an embarrassment. I think John Gruden has done one of the best jobs in the entire NFL, but to have that sort of fall-off after taking the Chiefs down to the wire was just unexpe- unacceptable. The Falcons are terrible. The Ravens, the Raiders are supposed to be great on offense. Six points? Get out of here. You know what this is? The NFL. Yes, sir. Every, almost every team. Not every team, yeah. but almost every team has one of these a season. It's true. Yes. It, it's absolutely true. Well, like I always say, if you go through the teams that go 12-4, and four, there are four losses. Or they're never to the other 12-4 and four teams. Yeah. They're to the other 5-11 and 11 teams. Often, often that's the case, yes. Uh, 
Bills, Chargers, Bills are for real. I continue to say it. I love the Bills. I think the Bills are actually creeping up my uh, AFC power rankings. Yeah. I've loved them all year, but I think that they are in there right there within the second tier. Let me ask you about this. Where you got the Dolphins? I mean, I know there's only the Jets. So I'm not talking about from this weekend, but they're are they seven and four? The right Dolphins now? are seven and four, uh, and they're only a game behind the Bills. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, most, I, the most interesting storyline here is that it's something that I, did, I think we never thought was going to happen. I'm not sure that you can't say at this exact moment that both the Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins are better than the Baltimore Ravens. Mm, 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 that's a juicy one. And, and uh, I mean, and not unreasonable. Okay. It's, yeah. um, it's going to be so hilarious to me when the New York football giants win the NFC East. <laughs> They're the well, only team in the division that was hey. actually came into the year under a definitive rebuild and trying to tank. I know the Washington football team is trying to rebuild their culture and all that, but they do have some headlining first-round picks and things. Okay, but but they lose Daniel Jones, though, yesterday. The I didn't see that he got hurt. That yes. was the one game I didn't check in on. So Giants, he's, I mean, it's, he's out multiple weeks from what I understand, which is disappointing, but I'm kind of with you. I mean, yeah, the Giants look pretty good. I thought the Colts win for over the, the NFC East. By the way, uh, for the NFC East, that was I, I thought the uh, too I thought the Colts win over the Titans on Thursday Night Football two weeks ago was a statement win, and I thought for the Titans to beat the Colts like that yes. was an even bigger statement. Yeah. The Colts pounded the Titans physically the first matchup. Two weeks later, for the Titans to dis- dismantle the Colts, I thought well, twofold. First of all, I think. DeForest Buckner is one of the better interior players in the entire NFL. Him not being there allowed for Derrick Henry to get that choo-choo train rolling downhill. And Didn't he, I mean, he was he was just trucking by the time the second quarter was even over. Okay, here's what we got to do. Let's take a quick break. Okay. We'll come back. I know we want to talk about the Chiefs game yeah, yeah. yesterday. And the Cardinals just whatever yeah, that what, trash what was. Happened? And how about, you know, can I say it? My Green Bay Packers. Oh, yeah, buddy. Pretty good. Uh, hey, you know sports are back, right? We got basketball now starting. Obviously, football's been going. You can go to the Silver Slipper and you can watch it. You can be socially distanced. There's space in there. 55 TVs. You can line up wherever you'd like to. They got drink specials every day. 20 Kino machines, a liquor store, pizza. There's nowhere else. You should be watching your favorite team at the Slipper. It's all about great food, tasty drinks, and their interest in having a good time. The card room. Open games nightly, seven o'clock. Call or text 333-1500. Visit missoulapoker.com for more info. Stop by today. See why the Silver Slipper is one of Montana's best kept secrets. They're across the street from Super Walmart on Brooks. And also check them out on Facebook for their daily specials, the Silver Slipper. Coulter, obviously, if people are traveling, you got to have them stay somewhere else, not with you. That's true even when COVID isn't going on, and especially now. So you send them out to the Wingate. We know that. That's obvious. What you might not know is about all the meeting space they have out there, convention space, and even personal office space because God knows I can't stand being with you any much longer. I'm going out there. I'm going to lock up my own personal office at the Wingate. You can do the same thing. If you need a business space, whether it's for yourself personally or 
or you're just tired of doing Zoom meetings. You just want to see other humans, but you want to be socially distanced. The Wingate has great business meeting rooms. You can space out. They have all the hookups and technology you're going to need for any sort of meeting or presentation. Or if you're like Ryan, you just want to have a place where you can work in peace and quiet. The Wingate Inn, also a great option for those that live and work around Western Montana and the city of Missoula. If you have anybody coming through town or you want to get your kids out of the house, Wingate also has awesome rooms, great business rates. The pool is back open. They've done a great job of making sure that's going to be safe for you and your family. The Wingate Inn, located in Missoula, it's an excellent option for business travelers, local business people, or anybody coming through the city of Missoula. Let the Wingate Inn make you feel at home even when you're not. Kick off. We're about five minutes from sending you out to Philadelphia for that game here on ESPN Radio. It is Tutel Nuanas. It is great to be with you across western Montana and across the state on SWX Montana Television. And again, when the uh, Seahawks-Eagles game is over, go ahead and check out SWX TV. And watch my man Colton Nuanas with Sean Rainey on SWX tonight. Tonight. See what I did there? Uh, if you missed anything in the show, check it out on the podcast. The Tell Nuanas podcast is available wherever you get your podcast. Rate, review, subscribe, listen at your leisure on your time. The podcast available anytime on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Thanks to Blackfoot Communications. Coulter, uh, Tyree Kill had a quarter like I have never actually ever seen. Seven receptions, 207 yards, two touchdowns in the first quarter of the football game. I mean, that is that, beyond belief. When when teams are so insanely offensively hot in the NFL, it only usually lasts three to maybe six weeks at most. Mm-hmm. And then they start to encounter new, exotic, unique game plans where they can't stay hot. So something's going to incur, something's going to break the chain, and then then they got to use perseverance and things like that to overcome. They need to step up in big moments. They need to be clutch. The Chiefs have had a couple times in the last couple of years where they've needed two minute drills to win the game, namely two weeks ago against the Raiders. But they're just clowning on everybody, man. They're clowning on the NFL. I know that this game came down. Yeah. It, it finished as a field goal, but they were up twenty seven to ten. When they're in an offensive rhythm, they're purely unstoppable. And it's the reason that the hyperbole is attached to Mahomes is because it's like nothing the NFL's ever seen. I mean, to, there's to, no scheme to stop it. To this point in his career, which it, it, is this is his third year. So this is his fourth year. Is it his fourth year? Because right, he didn't play. He didn't play his, his first rookie, year. His he won the MVP yeah, his yeah, second yeah. year, the Super Bowl his third year, right, and now right, he's in his fourth right, year. Right. Um, it, 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 he, he's, he's the best by far of all time to this moment. Three years and and ten games or eleven oh, games. I mean, it's it's unprecedented career. how good he's been, honestly. Yeah. But um, you know, we talk about how we usually talk about situations that you get into, yeah, uh, for guys to make it in the league. You know, yeah. a lot of times yeah. free agents, guys coming out of the FCS, whatever it might be. Yep. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is going to be a great NFL quarterback, no matter where he went. Yep. But. He went to the best place that could ever have existed for him to go. No question. And so as much as he accentuates everything, everyone accentuates him. And guess what? That's the idea behind a team, to have the coach and the players and the personnel and the whole thing, and it just works. And for Kansas City, it works. Let me ask you this. I I had to leave at halftime of that game. I thought, why am I even watching this other than Tyreek Hills on my fantasy team? 63 points. Thank you. Why am I watching this game? I turn around. 
is 27 to 10, like you said. But then the not the, the Chiefs did not score after the seven minute mark of the third quarter. That's right. So what happened there? You know, honestly, I was watching the. Um, how do you even call it? What did Shakespeare used to write? Like the comedic tragedy that was the New Orleans Saints versus the Denver Broncos. I was fixated on it. There was nothing competitive about the game. I just couldn't get over watching this poor kid from Denver who's not a quarterback trying to play quarterback. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. And we'll do a little bit more on, later on this week about just how hard it is to play quarterback. And I was also watching the 49ers and the Rams. That was a great game. Because it was a great game. It was a yep. compelling game. So I'm actually not really sure what how the tables turned. I kind of turned away from the Chiefs to my Bucks because it was 27-10. quarter. But man, you think that you did, the fact that they scored isn't surprising. The fact that the, the yeah. Chiefs didn't put any points on the board after well, the middle of the third quarter is like, well, well, what? And I know we're, we're going to do a lot more NFL this week with you back in the saddle. But I thought Dan Orlovsky from ESPN National said it best. He said, that the, the thing with the Bucks is when they execute at an elite level, they are one of the three best teams in the NFL. The problem with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is they cannot be even sort of good unless they execute at an elite level. It's either execute at an elite level and you can beat the Packers 38 to 10 or not and you're getting ran just out getting the gym. Blown away. So tell me this, though, to just put a bow on this Chiefs game, though. Yeah. To me... There, there is a scheme or an adjustment or a matchup or a personnel uh, tweak that you can do for every single player I can remember in the NFL for the last 25 years that could somehow, some way hinder their their ability to be unstoppable. You could, like coaches say, you can't shut them down. You can only hope to contain them, but you can contain everybody. The only two players I can ever remember where if you run the play offensively, the defense calls the exact perfect call they have the exact perfect player guarding the receiver, and the dude is just too fast, and the and the quarterback can throw him open. There's two guys ever that could do that. Patrick Mahomes to Tyreek Hill, and Randall Cunningham to Randy Moss, or Tom Brady to Randy Moss. That's it. That's all. Mm-hmm. There's a couple plays yesterday where it doesn't matter. You could call the perfect play. Unless you tackle Tyreek Hill in the last scrimmage, it's over. Yeah, He's out running you to the spot, and the ball is getting there. Uh, you're absolutely right, because he's his, his top-end speed is elite. But his his change direction slash zero two speed Dude. is beyond belief, and so these, when he gets you on your heels and he stacks you like that, it's over. You're these, done. These poor guys. Because he, how did they? How did they ultimately salt the game away? They send Tyree Kill on a go, and he just stops and turns around and dives back to the ball, <laughs> right. and he's eight yards from anybody and just catches it and falls over. Yeah, yeah. Like that's all day long. So yeah. you're you're right. I don't know what you do. Uh, last thing you got to talk about your Packers looked great last night. Bears are terrible. Made me so happy. Made me happy, too, uh, obviously. I thought Green Bay looked great. I, I must say I was very impressed with them offensively. They had a great mix. Their ability to run the ball against what I think is a good Bears defense yep. was impressive, and they they did it with a good – I mean, Robert Tanyan, right? I mean, he yep. really showed up. So it was it was a very good night for Green Bay. It, it's, it's hard. In the greatest team sport that's ever been created, it's hard to pin something on one guy, but it shows you how much the removal of one key cog can hinder your defense. Yeah, Akeem Hicks on the sideline. So the Bears, the Bears were on a two-four-five, and what do the Packers do? Gash, gash, gash. That's and all they he did. did was ran it they, straight up the gut. They did. They did great. Well, enjoy Seahawks Eagles. We send you to Philadelphia. I got the Seahawks covering the six. I got Chris Carson going over fifty yards. See it. 
See you tomorrow. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.